Welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh, heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. Greetings, and welcome everyone to season two of Heterodox Americana. Uh, Hopefully a hot, fresh new episode for you. We've been doing this for more, this is our 53rd episode. And, you know, I think we started off doing one a week, so it's not quite technically 52 weeks because it's been a little bit more than a year but this is season two what's that uh what's that feel like for you it feels nice it feels good it feels um like you know we put something out the world however we could uh you know starting on this i think was a we we both kind of agreed that it was going to be this pretty stable commitment and um, I think I've, I found in my life at times, you know, things that I have started that become complicated or maybe um, take a little bit more effort than I would sometimes feel like I had or could gather uh, would go by the wayside. And I think, you know, we both kind of committed to it. And here we are, I guess, 52 episodes later. 53 yeah this is episode 53 how does it feel for you uh i think it it feels good i I didn't think that it would be such a process in you know the discovery uh, of a voice i think you know when we started it just felt like this idea of you you talk and then you say what you need to say and that's the whole thing Mm -hmm. but it turned out to be more than that and I think finding a place that made sense, finding a voice um, that, you know, both made sense to to, to sort of hash out ideas, mm-hmm. but also to deliver those ideas to, you know, with the intention that, that people are listening. Uh, that was a little bit of journey. And I don't think that, you know, we ended up in the place that, that we started off. Uh, and so it was interesting even to also, I mean, it's not like we started before the pandemic happened and so part of that meandering part of that wandering was the fact that our entire civilization shifted to you know a a direction that no one no one had expected so there is that Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still been it's been interesting to to witness the process and to to just you know be present to that journey and and figure out where it is that we're we're going to end up next what do you think, Raphael? Like, what are you hoping in terms of how we we carry on? How, where do you want to end up next? You know, that's a good question. It's one that I, I sit with a lot. I think one of the things that is absolutely clear to me, and one of the things that I try to be present to is, and you know, you know, for the United States, we've seen so much of 
our both dividedness and divisiveness, you know, as things were leading up to the election. So this entire election cycle, um, you know, both on the, you know, between the, the Bernie and the, and the Joe Biden people, and then later, you know, really how much enmity and vitriol there, there, there was between these other two divisions of the country, between uh, people who feel loyal to Donald Trump's base and the people who are really just hoping for anything other than Donald Trump. But, you know, we don't end up in a place where, where people are happy. You don't end up in a place where people don't feel like they are alienated from um, from the nation as a whole. It, and, it, it, and it happens either way on either side. Uh, it seems like like no one is really happy, and that, that that's that's its own particular problem. And you know, it felt like before to me, at least, it felt like we could be one of those voices. Um, that spoke to people who were who were trying to figure things out um and really you know occupy a space in the middle i don't mean middle in terms of centrist policies i just mean middle between the, the two sides but i gotta say i'm not sure if um i'm not sure if this this if i can say that this year hasn't left me a little bit disillusioned um and having a lot more doubt as to whether or not I think it's possible. I think kind of emotionally, I'm not necessarily as confident as I was before that mm. we can even do this. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I guess I, I, I come from this idea that uh, um, I'm going to use the word faithfulness. It's this funny word, but um, I think I perhaps I, I you know I could evaluate that based on whether or not I believed that we could do something different uh, that maybe we can come together but I do and I don't know I, I don't know that we can I I'm hoping but I I am very connected to this idea of being faithful and what I started and what I believe should happen so my efforts will still continue to be those of uh, being faithful like moving towards a particular direction that I think is the only way that we can try to heal and figure this out is that if we all listen to each other on some level. Um, And I I think we are at a very, very dicey, really dicey time. You know, um, whatever your views are of Rick Santorum, uh, I'm not here to assess the man, but one of the things that he said, uh, he was talking to Van Jones. I watched, I was watching CNN when Biden was announced as the president-elect. And um, Rick Santorum said, um, you know, I, I get the cheerleading and I get all the, the, you know, the celebration. But he said, for those of us on the other side, it is a gut punch, you know. And I, I hear that. You know, I think that is a particular feeling that a, a lot of the votes that a lot of people are feeling uh, currently. And that first needs to, I think, kind of get, people need to kind of reckon with it and get through it and move through it. Like what it feels like to not get what you wanted. 
um, even maybe what you feel like uh, you didn't get what you want that you thought was going to save the country. I mean, if that's your viewpoint. So first it's getting through that and then accepting where we are and then moving towards something new. Uh, we don't have a choice. We have to go um, for whomever, you know, the Trump people that wanted him in office, there is, there won't be a choice now. Uh, he has to, you know, we're going to move into to a new direction. So what does that look like? So, you know, you're, you're right. We, we don't have a choice in terms of, I mean, there are lots of, there's so many choices that we didn't have when it, when it came to these final two, right? Um, I mean, even I think when it felt like choices, lots of those choices were, were false choices. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, this other part that, that I think the, the thing that haunts me most is, you know, not what happens in these four-year leaps, but what happens in these, in these, uh, in this journey from day to day mm-hmm. and the choices that we make uh, from day to day about, you know, how we honor, maybe honor is not the right word, but how, how we hold um, esteem for our fellow citizens, whether or not we see the, the world through the same political lens or not. Um, and, and I think, you know, my fear my fear, especially from um, from liberals, is that my fear is that they will repeat the same type of disdain that we saw during, um, you know, during the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, specifically, I mean a, a dismissiveness of even the validity of of people who you might think of as you know whether or not it's true but that you might think of it as less educated or backward or not progressive or you know to however it is that that gets considered you know and i I talk to enough liberals to sort of know how they feel very right about it uh it's funny i even have a friend who uh you know doesn't live in the united states is is not american um is extremely well educated and, and left of center and, you know, I was explaining to her that there is sometimes there's a feeling that goes along with this, that you're just right. Like people feel very right. And I think if we, if we can't recognize that, yeah, that these positions are different, right? Not that one is right and one is wrong, but they're, they're fundamentally different in some really important ways mm-hmm. that the other side, they, they think they're right too. Uh, and it, if we can't mm-hmm. see it through a lens other than right and wrong. If we can't see it just as like left and right, you know, as, uh, you know, well, I was gonna say left and right, then I was gonna see red and blue and it's like cliche, cliche. Um, but if we can't see them just as differences, as opposed to uh, along this moral uh, sort of hierarchical line, then, you know, I, I think the idea of, of reconciliation and healing might just, you know, it'll, it'll make that process all the more difficult if it's even possible at all. And my fear as, mm-hmm. and maybe we won't get there, but my fear is that people will once again turn to smugness uh, and dismissiveness. Mm-hmm. And I, I sincerely hope that that doesn't happen because that won't help. Yeah, I think it is going to happen. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to help but um 
it's really hard to bring in, I think, these ideas of personal, do I think it's hard to bring in? Yes, these personal um, ways in which we work with what it means to uh, accept where we are day to day. And that's on these smaller things like, you know, maybe it's raining and you didn't want Monday to have rain. <laughs> or it's these bigger things that um, the president that I wanted um, didn't get voted in. Um, and that's, I think, a personal, um, it's a personal internal process of where you go to understand what what it means to feel pain but not to prolong the suffering um, and and by that i mean whatever you are thinking you might want to fight whether that's rain or whether that's the president that you wanted didn't get into office if you hold on to that as if there is something that you are going to cling to getting back to are wanting it and lamenting that over and over again, it's going to prolong suffering. Um, and I'm not trying to be simplistic about this. I mean, I understand, you know, what it might look like to hear a president speak and disagree with most of what the president says, you know, that, and that rejuvenates all of that pain again. Um, I get it. But this personal, um, process around letting go of or not clinging to the control of what it means to resist is really about your own personal freedom. And I'm not trying to preach here, but I am saying, you know, if, if we're thinking of ways to get through this and heal um, as a nation, so much of all of what we need to do oftentimes is acceptance. So here, here's what's funny for me as I listen to you talk about this, um, because, you know, I think for me, as I hear this, this starts to venture into uh, the spiritual category or in the, in the spiritual direction, just around mm -hmm. what it means to let go and to think sure. about, you know, your, yeah. your you know, um, and it always feels for me like I, I want to keep those divorced, but here's what happens. I think when, when I reflect on it, when I'm talking to people who don't have this lens towards something leaning towards spirituality. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I mean by spirituality here is I just mean uh, an ability to look at the self, um, to look at the concept of me or who I am as divorced from, uh, as divorced from the external stimuli that, that I I'd normally respond to. And so, you know, as animals, we're always responding to, either external stimuli or sometimes internal stimuli too, like our feelings, our emotions. Right. Um, but we also have the ability as humans to sometimes still or, or turn down the volume of the external stimuli, you know, whether it's what we want, whether it's the desires that, that pop up in us uh, or just what we see happening, you know, our ability to sort of turn down the signal uh, of, of what it means to respond to, to stimuli and really just orient ourselves in, in either one, what we want, or two, what we think is the right thing. Uh, and so you could just as easily call that a philosophical position. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe the difference between between the two, if I had to make that distinction, is one is about doing it actively, like in the moment, trying to feel mm. your way. Uh, whereas a philosophical thing, um, you know, I think about the Stoics or something like that, is more of an overarching sort of life philosophy mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't necessarily pay attention to to each present moment. Um, and so that's I just you know, for the record, I wanted to say that's what I meant by spiritual. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I, when I have conversations that don't lend or don't veer toward that, that spiritual, you know, sense of observation, and then you ask questions about like, you know, what are we going to do? Or what do you think is coming? Or, you know, how are we going to figure this out? Um, you know, mostly people say, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no clue. And nearly everyone, mm -hmm. um, who's sort of oriented in a, you know, like a deep, self-reflective, contemplative, uh, spiritual uh, framework or tradition that I know, uh, they end up at the same place. Mm -hmm. uh, that really, it, there are some things that, that we have to let go in terms of what we want and really just kind of mm -hmm. working through it at the day-to-day -day level. Um, what, you know, one, knowing who you are, to understanding your desire for control and understanding that, that that desire for control, one, doesn't change the world, and two, it won't get you what, what you want anyway. Right. Um, but uh, it, always feel, <laughs> it always feels like uh, such a, an odd you know, juxtaposition to, for me to start off talking about something that is essentially political in terms of how we do uh, the managing of each other and the managing of goods for each other and then end up in this place that is really about, you know, letting go of the desire for, for those goods. Um, but mm -hmm. in, in a very real way, like, what else are we going to do? Well, and I think that's the question. What else are we going to do? And, you know, <clears throat> I, I agree that it's very, you know, that goes in this spiritual direction, but I think also as a therapist, um, I'm considering this often with clients that are um, really connected to their pain on the level of suffering. Like, oh, you're suffering. So how do you how do you move through this? I mean, pain is pain. You're going to have it, but does it need to be this prolonged, you know, um, internal process, minute after minute, day after day? Um, and I would say this about any of it, the pandemic, you know, the quarantine stuff, uh, the presidential election, you know, we've been through it this year. We've been through it. And I think if anything, <laughs> we are asking ourselves, how, how do we do this? You know, it's giving us more questions about life of how does life work? How do we make it through? You know, it's this prolonged sense of, um, out of control. I have these some of these beautiful people that I talk to that um, this is like their definition of hell is that, you know, there is nothing they can do to externally exter do the external grab to make something change. And I'm talking about the pandemic or isolation or mask wearing or whatever it is, you know, that feels so long and drawn out. And I think when we get caught in these places, in this external um, way, 
it is such a great call to go inside. You know, that's what we do have control over. I say to my clients, sometimes I'll say, control the heck out of the things that you can just do it. You know, if, control the heck out of how many lists you want to make and what you want to get done for the day, control that. Right. Let go of those things. Absolutely let go of the control of the things that you can't. So you get to do both. It's not like you just throw up your hands and say, I have no power. You do. You have power over a lot, but mostly your power, what you have is inside of you. Yeah. So, you know, we, when you're asking people to, to let go, um, and also at the same time, what are the things that you do have control over? Mm-hmm. That for me is, again, you know, it, it always feels funny to come back here. Uh, and, you know, maybe I see this a little through a coach lens as well. But, you know, so frequently, I, so, you know, when, when we think about control and, and uh, the locus of control, whether it's internal, external, and even how that relates to happiness, you know, so people who feel, for example, uh, like they have um, an internal locus of control, which is to say that the things that happen in their lives, they feel like they have control over them. Um, they tend to be happier anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the people who have an external locus of control, um, whereas they think that the things that control the quality of their lives how, happen outside of them, who the president is or what's gonna happen or so on and so right. forth, uh, they tend to be less happy. Um, but you, you know, it makes me think of an external locus of control uh, story that I heard about four years ago. Um, and it had to do with, with the election uh, of Donald Trump and really, you know, someone being so angry, um, that they opened the, they, they opened the door to Dunkin' Donuts and just start screaming at at the people inside, Mm. uh, and saying that, that they were responsible for, for Donald Trump. Um, and, and when I really think about it, that this is this is someone who felt one out of control, and two, like they were in a moment of despair, not be, not mm-hmm. because the real material of their lives, of their life had had changed, right? This is like after election, so the material conditions of their life had not yet changed. But one of the things that we do as humans is so frequently we're always projecting into the future in terms of worrying about what might happen. Uh, now this could go either way because we could worry about what might happen or, or we could also build an, a vision that we love of what could happen. Uh, but you know, when you're in the throes of, of this desperation about you know, now that Donald Trump is elected or now that Joe Biden is elected or just you know, pick the person that you, you fear being in office, is that your your material conditions don't change at that moment and they likely won't change at all there are some people for whom their material conditions have changed since donald trump became president mm-hmm. and there will be people for whom their real material conditions will change because of what happens in a joe biden administration mm-hmm. but there are also people lots of people where the reality of their lives won't change or won't change enough to warrant the type of worry that, that it has befall, befallen them, right? That has beset them. And so they're painting a version, you know, a vision of the future where, you know, the worst things are happening. Uh, 
And the brain can do that, right? We, we mm. worry all the time. Where am I going to get food? That, that's part of how we survive as, as a species. Um, but it doesn't have to go that way. <laughs> you could paint you know, a vision in your head of how you would love things to go and then really pursue that. But I, I think when we think about the, the external locus of control versus the internal thing, in part, some of what's driving that is the story that we have about what's going to unfold, what's going to befall us. And then even that is, is, is sort of driven by what it is that we want. And I think if, if people, here's the coaching me again, I think if people could really dial into this idea of what we want, uh, of what they want, and then they can hold a vision of the future uh, that's more satisfying, more palatable to them. Unfortunately, what happens for most people is mm -hmm. they're very unclear about what it is that they do want, and they're very, very, very clear about what it is that they absolutely don't want. Uh, and both are important to understand, mm -hmm. but if you have a vision of what you don't want, and that's very clear, and you have absolutely no clear vision of what you do want, then all you can do is worry. And, and that's what I think happens, you know, in, in times like this, when, when people think, all of the control is out of their hands. Yeah, and I, I know we've talked a lot about this. This is, you know, we're coming back around in season two about, you know, what do you want and what, and um, that being primary over what you don't want. Go towards what you want. Um, don't think so much about what you're going to avoid. Just go to what, where you, what things that you are wanting to pursue. Um, which, you know, is definitely a, a, um, um, a process of going towards abundance rather than scarcity. And I think you and I both um, are very, very connected to that process, which is why I think it comes up so much. Um, and I, you know, I, I think I want to perhaps consider again a little bit about what I was saying with regard to the difference between suffering and pain. Mm. Um, I don't begrudge anybody of their pain, you know, whatever they're feeling now or whatever they felt for the last four years, you know, that's, that's real. And, and there are certainly things, even me, if I were to give you personal opinions of ways I had, I think I have felt pain um, in the past four years and probably I'll in the next four years we'll have ideas of what pain has befallen me because of the next you know the future but I think what is really significant is not necessarily to um, avoid the pain we've talked about this often so often on this podcast that um, life is pain it comes in what do you do with the pain do you hold it? Do you nurse it? Do you like make it your friend and live in it? You know, create the suffering constantly by all the things that you're not getting, all the things that you want. That's the suffering. So right. again, you know, the pain, pain's coming, you know, pain will always come. Uh, the suffering is not completely necessary. You know, you may suffer for a time, but then you can let it go and move through to something else. Um, and that's, you know, that's gold. Once, once you can get that, you know, once that you understand internally, 
exactly that you have that type of understanding of how not to suffer like that. It's amazing. So even if you wanted Donald Trump to win and he didn't, then you don't have to suffer. You can feel the pain, but you get to choose the, you know, the gravity of, of your suffering. And that's true about it, anything in life at, um, and, and in all aspects. Right. So I just think it's important to say that, you know, pain, I get it, you know, and even what it felt like for those that felt gut punched, I get it. But um, now what? Now what is right? There's a seed in there of what you said that I wanted just to highlight, not to really expound on it. But, you know, you were saying that the seed of your pain anyway is wanting something and not getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I just want to sit with that and I want people to sit with that, that, that really the source of our pain is not getting a thing that we want. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can really sort of hear the importance of that, then in some ways you can, you can move through pain very quickly. You know, there are lots of times you can say, oh, I didn't get the thing that I wanted. Mm-hmm. This is why this hurts. And then, you know, then you can do a sort of mm-hmm. examination of what it is that you wanted in the first place and maybe even why. And, you know, I mean, five seconds in, you're, you're done. You're like, okay, moving on. Um, right. might, that might be, you know, that might be advanced, but uh, it, it's still worth noting that, that that's where the seed is. You know, I've had some pain recently uh, in my own life uh, around my butt. So, you know, I'm sitting on one of those butt donuts now. <laughs> you really, you want to tell everybody? Yeah, I'm sitting and on a, how's on a, it going on a butt donut, donut now because uh, my butt is in pain. Yeah. And um, right. this is not the type of pain I can move. You know, so there is something that I want insofar as I want my butt to not be in pain. Sure. But it's physical pain. And so, you know, I just have to sit with that. Uh, and I'm not sure whether it's, it's probably the coccyx, right? Because it, it's lasting so long. Um, but I'm on a donut. And I didn't Coxic? think I could be on a donut, you know? I think part of my identity was, was tied to the fact that I'm not one of these type of people who sit on a, on a butt donut. And then as I, I really had to come to terms with, it sounds like it, Angie looks yeah. like a pain. I'm just saying. As, as I had to come to terms it with- It looks like what? Like, like you were like, you know, I'm telling a story about my pain and you're laughing. <laughs> I just don't know what to do with it. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, the identity piece was enough to throw me. I, you had an identity that you were going to be one of those people who sat uh, on a butt donut. Like, I, I don't know how you get to the identity piece about a butt donut. Because I didn't think I, I would it's be not the really right a person. Thing. I mean. At any rate, all yeah. I'm saying is that uh-huh. now, now I'm sitting on a butt donut. And, I, you know, I don't know for how long. I'm proud of you, Rafa. I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe here's what happened. You know, because of the pandemic, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time in front of the computer and designing websites and, and working on, uh, you know, T-shirt designs for the business. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in front of the, the computer seated anyway. But right. then I had it in my mind that I'm going to do these extended meditations. You know, not just the normal hmm. 45 minute to an hour meditations. I'm going to do these extended right. meditations. And so for, you know, a couple days in a row, I would do these two, two and a half, three hour meditations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't understand the danger that was lurking 
mm-hmm. I didn't understand the danger that was lurking in yeah. um, in in a cushion that was inadequate. Had I known, I mean, if I could do it all over again, yeah. I would have just sat on the donut to begin with. Could have, could have, yeah. Uh, right, but I didn't know. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. know that in addition to all of my normal sedentary right. ways, and yeah. people warn you, you know, at a certain age, just sitting down will come to bite you in the, uh, you know what. And mm. sure enough, mm. mm-hmm. uh, you know, after these, uh, these, yeah. these days of, uh, of really long meditations, so some great things happen in the meditations. You know, I should say that. Yeah. I've had some revelations that were, you know, I mean, you know, the world sort of wow. crystallized for me. Right. Twice. Uh, mm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I mm-hmm. love about my, my meditation practice anyway is like, I, you know, I've had some revelations that were very cool that just allowed me to, to, to understand the nature of the world in, in ways that I hadn't before those revelations. So very cool. Um, mm. But there's always a price to pay. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm paying, mm-hmm. I'm paying that, I'm paying that price. Uh, Mm-hmm. Out the ass, so to speak. So there's. <laughs> well, you got two of those in, like yeah. you know, bite you in the butt, paying out the ass. Right, right, right. Like you're really getting in uh, ass look, jokes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like Raphael. What what you did is you chose not to suffer. You bought you bought a donut. Um, That's what which I'm I can saying. imagine. You know, wasn't not necessarily how you how you wanted to live your life sitting right. on a donut, but. You did because you said I can relieve the suffering. I, I'll purchase the donut, and that was a great move. I think. And, and that, that 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 I think actually is the larger lesson that even though, of course, because we don't understand that there are parts of our identity. I'm not the type of person who does this, or I'm the part, type of person who does this, or I'm a vegan. Well, now everyone, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. To the degree that right. we attach to that aspect of identity, you said aspect, it. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we trap ourselves. <laughs> right. But in order for me to be free of that pain, I also had to be free of that identity. And so I had to yeah. let it go. And now I, I'm a person who has a butt donut. So. And right now, even as we are, I mean, since you've now revealed more than I could have ever imagined you revealing, why don't you tell, are you sitting on, on yeah, the butt donut? donut? Right now. All you the time. Right I'm on this. If I'm sitting, mm-hmm. I'm on this butt donut. That, that's my new reality. Hopefully... It's not forever, but if it is, then I have to accept that. <laughs> I have a question about the meditation with the sure, butt sure. thing. <laughs> you mind? Um, how much did, was that distracting you? If you're if you're trying to go, you know, into this deep meditation, how much did the you know the ass pain? What what was happening? Like, was it distracting you? Was it making? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it wasn't distracting me so much. There there was a cumulative effect um such that at the end of the, the the third long session i said to myself this is this is too much uh mm-hmm. at the end of the first one it was fine and you called know, it on that last one mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah i had to uh and you know part of the idea is is pushing through you know the, the discomfort of your body anyway Exactly. Yeah. But I think the reason that, that I, I said I got to give up on this is because it felt like the type of pain that's associated with sort of a, like a stress injury felt like, oh, this is mm. actually injury that's happening, which is different than discomfort. Yeah. So it felt like injury. Yeah. 
I had to desist. I was like, I, I got to come out of this meditation. I was only two and a half hours in, but I was like, I, I got to. Sure. You know, there, there was a lot at stake. Yeah. I mean, a whole butt. Right. So whatever. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's, um, it's brave for you to talk about it. Like, yeah, I just wanted to share that. I just wanted to share that, you know, I just wanted to be bold. I'm impressed. Yeah. But, but moving on. I don't on. know that I would have <laughs> mentioned that if it were me, but I get it. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, we were trying to take like a little foray into this new season, keeping it light, sort of light. You know, we couldn't not talk about the election. We just right. start, we're in it. Um, and going forward, I know we had mentioned that a little earlier. Um, what do you, what are your, what's your vision? Well, I mean, I, I certainly want to, to have conversations around, um, you know, the ideas that, that hinder people and their ability to live the types of lives that they want, whether they are political ideas or not. But, you know, I, I've been reading a book by B.J. Fogg called, um, called Tiny Habits. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, right? Because it's rare that I recommend that, that I recommend a book that I hate the writing style of. I hate this guy's mm-hmm. writing style, mm-hmm. but he has a framework for for getting the things done that that you want to get done uh, that I really appreciate. So you know, we we've taken a little hiatus that was at the end of uh, of episode fifty two, mm-hmm. um, and you know, sometimes it, it feels hard. Um, it feels hard to get the, the pieces together uh, mm-hmm. to do the things that are necessary to, you know, to get this show out. But one of the things that, that BJ Fogg talks about in Tiny Habits is, you know, wh- what are the aspects that are easy to do mm-hmm. uh, and then just commit to doing, I mean, whatever, the book is worth reading in its own right. And so this rehash is the summary is just a, uh, you know, it won't do it justice, but you know, what are the aspects of the thing that you want to be doing that you want to build a habit out of? What are those aspects that are easy mm-hmm. and, and what's the smallest minimal amount that you can do? Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't know how it feels for you. For me, so much of, I mean, there, there are aspects of, of bringing this together that I'm really engaged with. And I also love the ideas, but I think what, what happened um, at some point was the brainstorming part and, and trying to be, you know, trying to do something that was relevant, trying to do something that was engaging, mm-hmm. um, trying to do something that was meaningful. Those ideas aren't necessarily happening all the time, you know, especially 52 episodes in. Um, and, and I found that that was, in fact, sometimes it, it was demotivating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was, there was an, there was a pressure, whether it was external uh, whether it was just an expectation, whether it was real, um, mm-hmm. there was certainly an expectation that I think that I, I think it was a, an internal expectation that I had externalized. Uh, it, by that I mean, you know, people are not going to want to hear X, whatever it is. Right. Um, but, mm-hmm. y- you know, part of uh, reading Tiny Habits and also taking some of my own uh, sort of advice and medicine is that not every episode is gonna is gonna be amazing. And not every episode needs hmm. to be amazing. What my commitment is is to, you know, holding up ideas, to examining ideas, to holding up my own vulnerability, 
you know, and, and, you know, both of us using our lives to show what it means to work through uh, the difficulties so that, you know, that we can get closer and closer and closer to the thing that we want and, and deal, right. you know, and deal with the things that we don't want as, as they pop up in real life. And I think that commitment just to, to not saying, oh, this episode needs to be, needs to do this or needs to right. do that, mm-hmm. but just a holding up of an ideal uh, and just being in communion with that. I think that for me is important and that's way easier to do than trying to plan out every episode and have it go a certain way. Uh, and so, you know, I think that that is, is more the commitment and, and letting go of the control of needing an episode to be so right. spectacular. Right, right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think we get stuck on those ways of, you know, however it looks like it's supposed to be. And so we don't think we're going to be able to manage that. And so we just back off. Um, you know, I remember the, the beginning, the beginning stages of all of this and um, some of what kind of drew us to even doing this was having such lively conversations and, noting that um, when we would have them together with others, that there's a lot to talk about. Um, And that's still my hope. I mean, there's so much to talk about. And it's not like you and I have all the answers, but we're two of these people swimming in this huge ocean (laughs) um, of life that um, can perhaps offer something if you agree or you don't. But if you just want to tune in and we've become somebody that you're familiar with, that's great too. Um, but I do think that so much of the aspect of, of even putting ourselves out here is to say, we are in this together. We're trying, we're figuring it out just like with everyone, you know, we are figuring it out with all of you out there. And just even some of the the conversations I've had with, um, people with friends or people that have listened have just been so rich and beautiful things that, you know, I hadn't even, it hadn't occurred to me as we um, conducted an episode or, or gave, mm. put out an episode and then somebody calling me and getting or responding and giving me feedback, the stuff I've never had even considered and how I get to grow too um, and how you get to grow. So yeah, I think it's just a matter of us, you know, being, like I said before, the faithfulness, being faithful, being faithful to what we're called to do. Um, whether that's, you know, put out a, a, a podcast or, you know, whatever our, our calling is, but just being faithful in it, the tiny little habits, I guess, in some ways, you know, showing right. up, showing up. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds easy to do. And I like that commitment and that, um, you know, just that, that, yeah, that commitment. So that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. And, you know, this is a whole new thing for us too. Our, our faces are out there. So mm. it does feel a bit more exposing, to be honest, for me. And um, I'm trying to go with it. And you've yeah. told everybody about your butt down. I was about to say, sometimes we've got to be really bit exposed. <laughs> but I'll, tell you, I'll, there. I'll tell you this. I, 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 uh, I certainly appreciate, um, I, I appreciate the dialogue. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate that, you know, the listeners who have hung out in there with us uh, for this long. It's been, 
it's been enriching and it's been informative uh, and it's been growing. And so I just feel super fortunate to, to, to have, you know, all of this and to, for, you know, to, to have this as part of the journey in my life. And so, um, and, you know, for the listeners, you know, I know I'm super grateful uh, because none of this would be meaningful at all if, uh, if not for that. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. We'll start this new season and keep writing in, keep calling, keep connecting with us. We'll try to figure it out together. All right, cool. Well, I'll, Angie, I'll see you in a week. And uh, all right, listeners, we'll we'll talk in a week. <laughs>